Tune in. Tone up. Your one-stop shop for guitar tricks, tips, techniques and advice. With me, Gary Shilliday, and my own excellent teacher, Dan Davis. Hi there, Dan. How are you doing? Not bad. How are you? Pretty good. I was hoping to do a video follow-up on one of our lessons, mm -hmm. our audio lessons that we recently did on tapping and getting tapping into soloing. Would that yeah. be a good idea? Yeah, I guess why not? We we did one fairly recently on YouTube uh, based on sort of the speed elements for those sort of just entering the the fray as far as doing faster licks was concerned. And of course, naturally, a follow-on from that is, is is tapping. It's it's probably the most common, more sort of fanciful technique that people kind of come to once they once they sort of look at some of the fastest thing things really isn't it yeah that's right yeah yeah you know so i mean sweeping again is is something which comes later on maybe that's another technique which people link with speed but tapping is is obviously a very common way of attaining fairly good pace yeah with very little effort but get it right it can be a winner Get it wrong, it could be a car crash, like all techniques. Exactly, yeah. So where would you like to start? Well, I guess the thing is, is like, if you're sort of soloing or if you're doing some improvisation, often I find that you sort of get into a bit of a rhythm with your right hand. Well, hopefully anyway. Unless um, you're left-handed. Yeah, unless you're left-handed. <laughs> and uh, that kind of rhythm is all with the centred around the pick. And so to then throw a tap into it, kind of requires you to really think about it and to get out of your kind of comfort zone. So, you know, what's the best kind of advice for just slinging the occasional tap in? Is it to have some exercises to do? Or? Well, let's look at maybe the, the kind of anatomy of tapping in the first place because a lot of people don't really fully understand this technique. Yeah. Um, and they don't always execute it maybe in the most original fashion. You know, once people have got the rough technique, all too often, you know, I kind of hear very sort of samey kind of licks, which are just I don't know. You can do you can do more with tapping than you think. Yeah. If, if you readjust your thinking and if you if you kind of concentrate on coming out with something that's that's maybe not what you hear every day. And also it can benefit your playing by being able to sort of tap in a note to extend extend a scale. Maybe it's a note that you can't quite reach yep. with the okay. fingers you've got available at the time. Um, you can have also massive intervallic leaps between notes because, you know, you can tap way up on the board, up the dusty end, as we call it, yeah. while fretting something far lower down. So there's quite a lot of different possibilities. Yeah. You know, a tapping lick doesn't have to sound like this. <laughs> But all too yeah. often, it does. It's quite um, easy, isn't it, then? Because you're in the same is. place, you get into the rhythm and you just sit there. <laughs> yeah, it can be. Sometimes when I hear that lick, you know, it's a bit like hearing Robbie Williams' Angels at its height. It's like, oh, cry out loud, not again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> it's sort of a, a, great, a great idea overplayed. Yeah. So okay. let's look at the anatomy of tapping okay. and how we can make it work for us. Now... To hold a pick at the same time or not to hold a pick at the same time, that's the, the question. Now, when we're playing, as you say, you want to slip this into your playing, if you're playing live or if you're jamming at home by yourself or in a rehearsal situation or improvising, under those circumstances, you've got to find something to do with the plectrum. Yeah. You know, it's up to you. I mean, what I tend to do when I'm playing live is if I'm doing normal tapping, I'll use actually my second finger instead of my first. Yeah. And I will hold the pick normally and then tap. With my yep. second finger. And that suffices quite nicely. Yeah. If I need more than one finger, I may choose to use my lips as a pick holder. Yeah. No, um, fair enough. Push it in there like that. Seems a bit Heath Robinson. Everybody does it. Yeah. For the point of view of maybe from a practice point of view, we could actually do away with the pick altogether to start with. I'm going to put mine on the side there so that our hand's completely free and it's one less thing to worry about. 
Um, I can tell you as well another thing that some people do. I know um, Paul Gilbert used to hide his pick between his joints and his middle finger like that. Yep. You can see that. Get a picture there. Yeah, and then he had left his first finger free for tapping. Yeah, okay. So if you're quite good at manipulating a pick in your fingers and you can sort of slip it behind your second finger like that at a moment's notice without dropping it. You can carry on playing, yeah. 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 So whatever works, whatever works for you, um, I would always advise if you're playing live to have several sort of picks taped to your mic stand anyway. Yeah. You know, a couple at least, because you're probably at one time going to drop one and yeah. the show must go on. So yeah, for okay. now, I'm going to ditch the plectrum. And I'm just going to use my bare hands. Yeah, okay. Mark Knopfler stand. Mark Knopfler stand. <laughs> so the first thing to note is why tapping is so fast, why it enables great amounts of speed very, very easily. Yeah. Well, the first thing is how many notes we create in one hit. Yeah. So with a pick, you know, unless you're going to pick a note down and then up and down and then up multiple times. Yeah. You know, once you pluck the note once, you know, it's got to be picked again for there to be a second one. Yeah, okay. With legato, you're going to have to move from finger to finger. So legato is where we're not picking at all. So we're starting at a fairly easy level here. Yep. Those who want more advanced things, forward the video towards the end or the middle and you'll get more advanced stuff. So if you can tap already but you want a few ideas, then by all means do that. It's not going the whole video is not gonna be like this, but we need to explain it to in layman's terms to those who haven't tapped before. So what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna rest my first finger on the fifth fret of the thinnest string, the E string, and I'm gonna take my hand which would normally be my picking hand and I'm going to use I could use my second finger I'm going to choose to use my first because I can and I'm going to hit the string of the 12th fret with a tap that creates my first note now there's a reason why I've left the finger on the fifth and we will see this in a second I'm then going to pull away now this is the bit that a lot of people get wrong yeah. there's a couple of bits people get wrong we're going to deal with this one first so hammering down with the with the fretting hand at the 12th and then we're going to push away yeah so we're not going to just lift off because that creates a very weak second note we're actually going to physically push away thus creating our second note Exactly. So it's the same principle as when you do a pull-off. Yeah. Often when people pull off, they kind of like to start with sort of their fingers kind of lift off. Yeah. If you wanted it to lift off, we call it a lift off. Yeah. Not, it's a pull-off. So think about that. It's like you're pulling the string to the side slightly. So it's almost like you're picking it again. Yeah. Now when we pull away, our tap gives the 12th fret, our pull-off, or pushing in this case away from the string, gives us the note left behind, whatever we fretted, yeah. be it anything from the open string up to sort of pretty much where we are. That's a very easy way to create two notes. Okay. Now, even without doing anything else, do that a number of times. Easy peasy. It's already sort of reasonably pacey, even though it's not particularly complicated or interesting. Yeah. The other thing is muting. People have a bit of a problem sometimes yeah. with muting tapped stuff. Take the palm of your hand, which would normally sit at the bridge, and pretty much rest that over the strings which are below, so towards you, mm. the string that you're playing. So if we're on the top string, really, we're looking to ideally... Mute out E, A, D, G, and B. So I'm laying across those strings. Now, that is the job of the fretting hand, to mute out the strings which are below the string that you're on. The Sorry, not the fretting hand, the picking hand. 
the fretting hand, and this goes also for when you're playing normally, so works both ways, yeah. not just with tapping. The fretting hand is going to be muting out the strings which are above. So if we're making a lick come from the thinnest string down, as we move to the thicker strings, the strings above the line we're playing rather than below should be muted out using the fretting hand. Sometimes with the fretting hand, that happens a little bit more automatically yeah. than with the other hand, but that's that's the ideal situation. So if I was to do that line on every string, you notice my finger now is muting out the other strings. This hand muted out the lower strings in the beginning. Yeah. And there's, there's a crossover point. So that's muting covered and the basic anatomy of tapping. Let's introduce the hammer-on pull-off element because this is what makes it really sort of roll when it comes to the speed factor. So imagine we've got the A minor pentatonic scale. Yep. Fairly common scale, so I'm not going to tell you what the notes are. Google it if you're not sure. And we're going to use now the 8th and the 5th. So our first fingers anchored at the 5th. We're now going to use the 8th fret as well. What we're going to do, we're going to place the 3rd finger or little finger, it's up to you, on the 8th fret. We're going to tap on the 12, pull off, leaving the 8. Then the 8th fret will pull off to the 5th. And then we're going to do the whole thing in reverse. So we go down and we come up again. That's it. So when we get that going around as the lick itself, it's a four note lick. So this is the classic cheesy tapping lick, which I can't really stand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it is the building block. That I think is maybe my problem with it. It's to me, it's the building block. Yeah, it's 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 not it's not the soap at the end of the rope. It's the building block. <laughs> so, <laughs> so once you get that, that's quite an easy tapping thing to do there. Over to you, Gary. Give it a whirl. Pretty easy. Yeah. Now, another question I get asked a hell of a lot with tapping, and I know it's I know why people ask me because I I would used to wonder the same thing myself before I knew my way around my fretboard. The answer here is going to be pretty obvious, but it's a question you are going to ask. How do I know where to tap? Yeah. I know my initial scale shape. Yeah. Where do I tap with the with the other hand? Yeah. The bottom line is this. If you are in a key and a bunch of notes works in that key, yeah. then whatever note works in that key is fair game to fret, and whatever note works in that key is fair game to tap. Yeah. Now, we could go on about using chromatic passing notes and all other kinds of weird things, and but, you know, in essence, this is the bottom line. The notes in the scales that work over whatever you're playing when you're soloing normal will work when you tap. Yeah. So, like, sure. let's say, for argument's sake, you you know your pentatonic pattern down here in the key of A, yeah. and you know it up here, also in the key of A, but an octave, octave up. up. Yeah. If you were to kind of tap the octave up against the octave down, it'll work. Yep. I'll do that slowly. Yeah. 
you tapped out the G pattern while playing the A with the bottom. So I did. That's why you got something which we refer to as jazz. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to play some wrong notes and I'm going to interject it with the that sounded ones, a bit weird because like, it's jazz. There we go, that sounds better, doesn't it? I just go over the bridge. That's right. <laughs> Wonderful, I'm glad you can't see my embarrassed face. It's funny. <laughs> Made me laugh. Okay. So, sometimes you just got to let people play stuff because it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, this sounds like well, yeah, As a teacher, you're sitting there going, yeah, yeah. I'm dying. <laughs> okay. Anyway, yeah. Very jazzy. Very nice, Gary. Uh, <laughs> Thank you very much. No problem. You've opened up a whole new gamut of licks to me that all were. Uh, I, I thought about going for the F sharp minor, but I thought G minor sounded best. So I yeah, minor. nice. <laughs> that B flat against the A root Ooh, was just perfect. Yeah, it sounded terrible. <laughs> no, never mind. And funnily enough, because some of the notes are in and some of them are out. You, you don't quite notice until you really, really listen. And yeah. then I looked and I was like, oh, yeah, that is actually G. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice at all, so that's right. <laughs> so that would be a really obvious example. We know the octave up pattern's going to work. It's the same thing an octave up. We know the initial pattern's going to work. So tapping one against the other yeah. is clearly going to work. Yeah. Now, depending on the key you're in, if you're in A, the 12th fret's going to be fair game as well, so you can get quite a nice sort of lens running down there. Like that. Just like three triplets. Four. So it's a very good excuse to learn a few patterns. Yes, yeah. So say, for example, you know the initial... Uh, <laughs> pentatonic scale. Yeah. Um, you could also learn, say, the one in the key of A starting on the 12th fret, 12th fret yeah. which would be pattern four. <laughs> and then you could use that as by your tapping wheel. Sorry, I got that wrong. You get the idea. So, any of that is all going to be fair game. Yeah. So, that's going to work. Whatever works when you play it normally is going to work when you tap it or fret it. Okay. I got that wrong because my brain did a funny flip where I was doing three fret jump here and yeah. two fret jump there, and my brain went, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on there? So what about more advanced phrases? So as we add a note in, adding one new note in, because we're probably going to add it in going down and up, possibly, is actually going to totally change the feel. Yeah. So at the moment, we've had a tap note. Then we've pulled off, leaving another hammer on and pull off underneath. So 12, 8, 5, 8, 1, 2, 3, 4. If I add in the 7th fret, so now I'm adding in the B, which is a note from the Dorian mode, it's actually going to turn it into a 6-note phrase. Right. Because 1, 2, 3, 4, 1, 2, 1, 2, 3. Because you've got it going down yeah. and coming up, it actually counts as two by adding one extra note in. We're adding it in twice because yeah. there's one on the on the down set of notes, one on the up. Yeah. 
So we get that kind of effect. Now, you could, of course, find three notes on every string that work if you want, and you could just go straight down the scale like that. <laughs> give you a more sort of elaborate phrase. What were we doing in both those examples? So, I was basically borrowing from the Dorian yeah. on this hand. <laughs> and then like the pentatonic here. Yeah. But I was also doubling up some of them. Yeah. On this okay. hand. be sounding possibly in places a little clunky at the moment yeah let's maybe look at some original ways we could add this into something okay yeah great um i would say there's very few places in a set where i just kind of stick to tapping and and that's it yeah pretty much Often for me, and I'm, you know, I can't speak for other players. You know, obviously people like Eddie Van Halen, uh, Vito Bratter when he was up and running and playing for White Lion. You know, the tapping thing loomed large in their playing. Yeah, it was a big deal and a huge part of it. Yeah. So it really depends on how much of a part of it it is. You take someone like Stanley Jordan, who will even use two guitars, one on a stand, one round his neck. And actually be tapping one line on one and one line on another is, you know, it's just a completely different world. Yeah. But that man needs to get out more. Yeah. yeah <laughs> That's yeah, all yeah, I'm yeah. going to say about that. <laughs> if he has a girlfriend, I'm shocked. <laughs> yeah, There's yeah. no way she would stand for that level of guitar practice in her life. <laughs> no one needs that level of negativity. <laughs> so, you know, for, for most of us mere mortals, you know, we're going to, you know, we're, we're we're probably going to sort of put it in here and there. Yeah, okay. Yeah, with Eddie Van Halen, it's obviously it's an intrinsically important part of his style. It's cast in stone that this is what he does. He does do a whole bunch of other stuff too, but the tapping thing is really where he gains the majority of his sort of faster licks from. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, so let's look at ways you could maybe use it yeah, okay. and not abuse it. Yeah, cool. Uh, you could use it as like a, an intro to a solo. Yeah. For example, uh, there is one tapping lick when we go out and play. We do Tie Your Mother Down by Queen. I didn't really want to play a slide solo. So what I chose to do instead was do a, a sort of a, a slightly more technical solo. Yeah. And so I started it off going down the Dorian mode. Yeah, okay. So once the tune has the break and then we're into the solo, um, that's what I play. So sorry, I did the wrong note or something. So although I've ended on an A, yep. so I'm tapping 14 and then 12, 11 and 9. A 14 tap. Yep. 
I think there's a Rogue 10 in there as well. So I use it as like a little bit of a wild trickle. Yeah. Yeah, into into the tune. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay. So you can do sort of little things like that when it's almost like a cascade of notes yeah. into a tune. You could even do that very, very successfully by keeping it surprisingly pentatonic. Yeah. And still, still get away with it, you know. Yeah. Or whatever. Okay. Cool. So with that, I had pattern four. With the pentatonic. Pattern one, octave up. You, you kind of going from note to note a bit, are you? So it's not following a string pattern. Why it's one of the great coordination exercises, and when actually you yeah. apply it in this way, it's not a bad way to get to know your scale positions. Yeah, okay. Because you are forced into a bit of a, a place where, okay, you know, if you are looking at Eddie Van Halen stuff, while it loosely adhered to a key, yeah, he was a guy chasing sounds in his head. Yeah. He often used patterns that cross over keys, but the pattern was fairly consistent. Take something like Hot for Teacher, I mean, it's a prime example of a pattern moved around, which, you know, kind of is crossing all kinds of uh, boundaries. So that his tapping in that respect becomes more like an effect, mm. yeah. you know, rather, rather than like I'm, I'm following a definite kind of melodic course and, and, and daring to a certain key. Yeah. Um, yes, it's loosely an A, but the word loosely is the one to, you know, yeah. <laughs> to, to look at. It, yeah. Here we're sticking within the key, you know. So that's one way of using it. Another way of using it is by maybe using it, as I suggested earlier, where we use it like it's an extra finger. Yeah, okay. We can't quite reach that note. <laughs> So in this regard, I've gone up like a scale. And then hit a far higher note. And that way, you've, you can never really reach that with yeah. any degree of it. So you, you've got the wide intervals. So, so that is kind of... Yeah, so we, we're using it in that way. If you want to use it as a really handy melodic tool, one thing I quite like doing is, is using it to reach that high note because there, there's nothing in the rule book that says a solo has to go like this. <laughs> not that but there's nothing which says it has to be one note after another yeah. actually making wide jumps can be really quite exciting to listen yeah. to and to play but to follow on 
what you could do is hit that high note, then bring your fretting hand up closer to yeah to follow the line on. <laughs> notes using the tapping hand to fret a very high note bringing the fretting hand up, up to it, yeah. towards it to carry the line on so kind of like yeah There's a little kind of thing that I play, and it's always slightly different every time. Um, in Comfortably Numb, we cover Comfortably Numb in the band. Yeah. And one thing that I use this particular tapping idea for is something I kind of nicked. So for the end solo, yeah, in one of the sections of it, I was kind of wanting to get in a bit of a vibe that Guthrie Govan got in Waves. Yeah. Now, he put in a lot of slides, was essentially outlining more or less the chord progression yeah, in an arpeggiated form, but string skipping at the same time, sort of missing strings out, and then tapping in some of the extra notes. And I was thinking, that's a really cool thing. Yeah. Then I watched and listened to Vito Bratta, and I was loving what he does, which is some of this sort of using it as an extra finger business we've just been looking at. And I thought blending those two things, now that would be cool. So, for instance, we've got B minor, A, B, B minor, B minor.
idea. Sounds great, yeah. So, I mean, I'm trying as best I can, although not always succeeding, to pick sort of tones within the chords. And I must admit, I never sat down and worked anything out for right. it. So it was a little bit off the top of my head. But, you, you know, being able to reach those high notes... <laughs> So that's yeah. and maybe a slightly more original way of tackling it. Yeah, no, slides and taps as well. That's really good, actually. Yeah, thanks for all that. That's great. Let's look at maybe a couple more, maybe. What do you reckon? Yeah, if, if you've got time. Let's look at a couple more, couple more lick sounds. Um, doing the double tap can be quite effective. Yeah. So um, tapping sort of more than once, really. But it's quite effective because because it, it kind of um, it has a, a slightly different different rhythmic vibe. Yeah, you know, with the whole tapping. <laughs> slightly different vibe about it it's a bit like when you get these kind of licks of that kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. sort of rhythm but you're doing it in tapping there I was sort of crossing stream <laughs> Okay. 
going back up, is it? It's just going. It's quite tough to play slowly because it says that doesn't sound very good. Right, yeah. But the funny thing is, if you if you just tap like this, which is pretty super boring, yeah. uh, it's nothing special. But if you add in the two notes below on the B string. Sounds like a technical turn to force. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. Sounds good. Yeah. So yeah, you, you're getting extra mileage from all those extra hammer-on notes. Because obviously your hammer-on notes also make a make a difference. Yeah. So while you can use a tap to say sort of complete a sequence. <laughs> The tap helps you kind of get the lick rolling, you know, it'd be okay on its own. You know? The tap just gives it that extra dimension, so it really doesn't just sound like a barrage of notes, it's like hundreds and thousands, you know what I mean? You can also finish off a bend with a tap. Yep. Real easy one. Like that. Yep. So the bend's going on on the right on the left hand. On the yeah, bend's going on with your normal hand. Where, where you tapping? So could be anywhere we could do that one. Classic Van Halen thing. So whatever you're playing underneath the brass or bending, that's going to be duplicated in your tapping. Yeah. So that's really, this hand has got everything going on for the vibrato and the bending. So make that the hand that does, does the, does the, the, way, does the yeah. movement and the other one follows along with it. So that's um, again a sort of another another element using your pick the Joe Satriani thing. If you've seen that, it's quite interesting. Right, okay. So if we normally are holding our pick thus, yeah. Um, if you imagine you're turning it this way, it's happening with the pick, yeah. So as if your thumb is now headed straight for the fretboard, but we're going to use the edge of the pick. Yeah. This enables us to really get in these fine little spaces up here. Pretty yeah. handy. <laughs> fretting hand a bit like I was there to generate your melody while you're in a fairly fixed place. <laughs> equivalent in reverse of the yeah. old open string thing where you have an open string going and you play you know yeah. Yeah. so you're one consistent yeah. note you know and then the others on the Shall we find a track to jam over to finish up with? What yeah, do you think? Like, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. 
do that. Come chuck a. strings when you when you turn this when you, you really the, have to rest that piece of the palm yeah. on the strings and, and, and sort of get very close to the guitar a lot of people is struck funny they're almost frightened of the guitar they don't they do don't, want to get, don't get too close to it yeah it catches a light <laughs> <if you do. laughs> we will see Jimmy Hendrix <laughs> You know, actually, kind of getting sort of the quite close to the guitar. Yeah, I guess it's one of those things. Sort of when people say, "Oh, you know, make the guitar look like it's part of you, dear." Yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's like, not many old ladies say that. Like. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's that kind of getting the thing under control. Yeah. Yeah. And to do that with the electric guitar, you know, the whole thing is designed so you can get right in there, yeah. you know, and sort of right on it. Uh, but some people, especially maybe those coming from acoustic guitars, sort of stay away from the strings. There's a lot of, um, what am I going to call it? There, there's many paradox, not paradox, is it paradox? I suppose it is with guitar where, I mean, it's not parody, that's for sure. Yeah, paradox. Paradox, yeah. Where, where one set of rules is exactly what you teach a beginner. Yeah. And then later they'd have to learn to break them. Right, you know, yeah. we spend all that time getting beginners to hold the strings down and arch their fingers and the strings can pass underneath and, you know. And then once they find the overdrive button on the amp, we spend the rest of the time telling them to mute everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. Right, let's find an appropriate track over which we can blitz. What key is good for you, Gary? Um, any keys? A minor? We've been in A minor, haven't we, the whole time, so that's good. Okay. Yeah, let's go for it. Elevated tracks can be good. I do have some good ones. Yeah. Um, you want
for more episodes, jams, improvisation ideas and well-informed thoughts about amps, pedals and guitar tone. If you enjoy this podcast, leave us a review on iTunes, find us on SoundCloud or see our website on tunein-toneup.com. Here you'll find show notes, tabs and further research and resources. It's also a good place to get in touch. We hope you're finding these lessons as interesting and as useful as I do and if you have any suggestions, we'd love to hear them. Yeah.